Our Southwest Conference is going down Saturday, March 21st at 10 a.m. in Burleson, Texas at Graceview Baptist Church. This is a one-day conference called Contending for the Gospel, Protecting Orthodoxy, and Promoting Unity. For more information, go to DoctrineAndDevotion.com, look for the banner, and click to register. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. We're here. We're here. We're keeping it real. And uh, who are you going to make mad today, Jimmy? I haven't made You're any- always mad. I've not made yeah, anyone okay. mad today. Yeah. Yeah, you went after uh, Acts 29 last time oh, in the bonus episode. I, I didn't go after them. You are the new pulpit and pen. That's what you are. No, you know what? That, I told. I was talking to Matt today. You were talking. I, okay. I was talking to Matt Chandler today, mm, and I told him mm, Jimmy sure, Fowler is the sure. new. Pulpit you and were pen. talking to Matt Chandler. Was it? sure mm-hmm. you were good. Yeah, no, way to go. No, way to go. Way to go. Go me. Now, do you want to go ahead and repent of? Uh, I'm not lying. I was talking to Matt today. Where was I? You were at work. Were you talking? Did you did you been like? Did you mention my name? Don't even pretend like you didn't ask to be on that call. <laughs> no, because I didn't believe you. <laughs> yes, you I did. thought that you photoshopped that thing. So I know that um, you know we released that bonus episode on X twenty nine and Steve Timmis being removed and, and the article that came out in Christianity Today and all yeah. that. Um, and believe it or not, the response from X twenty nine has been very positive to our episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Matt Chandler himself, I talked to him today. Um, I talked to another regional leader. Um, he was appreciative of the tone mm-hmm, of it mm-hmm. and what we said. And, of course, other pastors were very much uh, appreciative of the, the fact that we took it on to talk about it. And, yeah. we're, and we tried to be you know as fair as possible because we don't know. Yeah, we we're try just, to be charitable. We don't have all the facts. Right. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was actually really good. And um, so, yeah, I, I had a talk with, uh, with Matt today. Um, and actually, because and, he just, you know, he heard the episode. He said, hey, I really appreciate it. Appreciate what you guys are doing. Respect you guys. Um, and he said, I wanted to share with you some of the things that I'm going to say in, a, in an upcoming email that I'm going to send out to all the pastors and all of that. So um, it was nice to, to, to hear from him and hear his heart in all of that. And uh, we're waiting for tomorrow. Tomorrow, which is when this episode drops. So today. Today. Right? Today. If you're listening to this on the day that it drops. Today. There is, on Thursday, there is a meeting that we're having in the Chicagoland area for Chicagoland pastors that are a part of Acts 29. Yeah. And we're going to talk to our um, Midwest regional director. Midwest Pope, yeah. Yeah, he's going to talk to EMP. us about... What's going on? And that's after they're all going to have this conversation among all of the leaders um, in the early in the morning. Then we get to talk to our regional leader. So we'll have we'll have some some perspectives and some things to share. I think after that. Okay. Um, so yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be good. So I'm looking forward to this meeting. And uh, you know, if you're if you're listening to this uh, before 10 a.m. Thursday, then uh, mm-hmm. hey, hey, pray that we have a really good meeting because um, you know it's an important one. Good. Good. I mean, it's not going to be as important as the SBC Pastors Conference. It's oh, goodness. I, I don't even know what to say about these things anymore. Do we just need to, like, burn it all down and disassociate from everyone? You know, um, I think we're going to start that uh, the JOFO, Convention of JOFO. No, JOFO. stop. That's yeah. going to fail. That is going to fail. The Southern JOFO Convention. It's going to fail. Con- Union JOFO. We'll, get, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But yeah. no, no, no it's going to fail. Oh, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be us. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Okay, maybe. Okay. Yeah, but okay. How much fun we'd have? Zero because we got responsibility. No, just but it's just you and me. 
We'd be the only members. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be the only, and everyone else could be spiritual members. Well, if they pay their dues. <laughs> so, Joe, uh, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about um, a pastor named Beowulf. Um, <laughs> All right, you're mispronouncing it. I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, Carrie, yeah. Carrie Beowulf. No, no, no. Carrie. Oh, Carrie Newhoff. Newhoff. The Hoff. The Hoff. Okay, he'll be the Hoff. Carrie, I think it's Carrie Newhoff. Or Hoff. I can't pronounce it. I'm good with Hoff. N-I-E-W-H-O-F. You might have seen him. His stuff is all over my Facebook, Instagram. He's advertising all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now he's um, ten steps this, ten steps that. Yeah, lots of lots of stuff like that. We actually got a message from a listener about that asked us, "Would you please interact with this article by um, Carrie Beowulf?" And the article is called Five Signs Your Church Is Becoming Irrelevant." We'll link to that in the show notes so you guys can see that Five Signs Your Church Is Becoming Irrelevant. And um, Carrie, what, what can you tell people about uh, Pastor Carrie? Yeah, I mean he's a he's a former lawyer. He's the founding pastor of. Uh, Connexus Church, a church of about 1,100 weekend attenders, multiple locations. Uh, he's written lots of books, and he likes to focus on church health mm-hmm. and church leadership. Right. And listen, this is not, we're not here to beat up on uh, Kerry Neil Wolf. I mean, obviously we could because he's, you know, the Hoff. He, no, we, we could be, he, he, you know, he's kind of, he dresses like, a, I think he's a dandy. I think we could, I, we could take him on. What? If it was a fist fight, we could take him on. I'm not worried about it. I'm just saying, but we're not here to do that. Why are you saying he's a dandy? He, he dresses kind of like a dandy. That's, 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 so does uh, Trip? Okay. Oh, Trip is a total date, and I could take him. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. No, what do you Can mean? Are oh, you, t- you not? Come on. How? Yeah. With, uh, with my, with my fists of fury. With my. Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you challenging Trip right now? Out, uh, tr- Ted Trip and Trip Lee at the same time. I get them all. <laughs> I get all the trips. I don't care. No, Carrie. So we're not beating up on Carrie. We're just messing no, around. no, no. Um, uh, but we are interacting with this article. And so what we're going to do is we're actually going to read a lot of the article and just interact with different parts of it. Jimmy and I haven't really talked about this, but um, we've, we've, you know, we, we want to walk through it and mm-hmm. kind of talk through it. So, um, Jimmy, you want to read the first maybe couple of – it's weird because they don't have, like, paragraph structure. It's like sentence – each sentence is a paragraph the way it's written. Well, it's Canadian, yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just grades one through two. It's tough. In Canada? <laughs> it's tough. So, okay. Uh, here's how, It begins like this. So how relevant is your church? Any idea how you'd answer that accurately? You could debate how important relevance is all day long, and many do, but the truth is irrelevant churches make almost no impact on the community around them. Why is that? Because relevance determines impact. That's why. Relevance gains you a hearing. It determines whether or not people pay attention to you or whether they ignore you. By all accounts, most churches appear to be losing relevance. Before you push back, just because the gospel is always relevant doesn't mean you are. Okay, and like a lot of the things that Carrie's going to say in this article, there are some good statements, uh, some confusing statements, mm-hmm. and some statements that we just flat out disagree with, right? And, yeah. um, you know, like this this whole idea of, um, like, relevance. Let's go ahead and try and define it, right? So you can just look up any in any dictionary, but if you look at the Cambridge Dictionary, relevance is the degree to which something is related or useful to what is happening or being talked about. So relevance really has a lot to do with connection and practicality. Mm. So if you're talking about relevance, that's sort of what you're you're getting at is is that is that basic idea. But Jimmy, he's he his first question is how relevant is your church? Um, 
you're asking what? Uh, how is how is it connected? Yeah, I think you're how asking is how is it important? How is it useful okay. to the community around you? I mean, and you know what? This is a good question. This is a, a question that could be asked or should be asked. You know, how is it that your church is connected to the community around it? How is it that your your church is valuing those around you? How is it that people can look at your church and and see uh, the opportunity to engage? Now, before you think we're going all the going full Neil Wolf on you. Mm, mm. Um, Full Hoff. You, you, you never go, go full Hoff. Never go full Hoff. Um, I, I, I like the discussion about relevance, and I, I think it, it ought to be actually had an actual conversation. We actually think through um, this issue. You know, he asks, how relevant is your church? I, I think it might be better to ask, how is your church relevant? Yeah. Um, yeah. In what way is it relevant? How relevant is your church is like a matter of degrees, whereas I'm saying like, no, specifically tell me, how is your church relevant? We're going to come back to that, but let me just um, maybe... Let me just ask you a question, Jimmy, about this first part. Oh, oh. Okay, so it says um, relevance. <coughs> you okay, big boy? I'm good. I'm going to have a tickle. So uh, relevance determines impact. Agree or disagree? Relevance determines impact. Disagree. How dare you? What? How dare you disagree with that? I'm going to disagree with it. Okay. How? Okay, I'm going to say, uh, because Scripture talks about uh, the Lord uses the the lowly, the, the the those that are cast off, right? The unintelligent, the those that are down and out, those that the world views as uh, irrelevant. irrelevant. Huh? I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah irrelevant, irrelevant yeah. to proclaim his gospel. Yeah, I, I think this. I mean, I know what he's getting at here, and some of the things that he's going to say in here, I think, are good, but. This idea that relevance, get, listen, uh, the, the Lord determines the impact. He uses yes. imperfect people. Yep. Um, he said, he says, relevance gains you a hearing. Well, that, that, that is partially true, at least, um, you know, because if, if people know that what you are saying is related to their experience or, or um, connected to their, um, their person, mm-hmm. then, okay, they might give you a hearing. It determines whether or not people pay attention to you or whether they ignore you. There's some truth in that. Like, yeah. If, do they perceive you to have the words of life. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. uh, or do they, do they deceive you to, do they perceive you to be just some religious blowhard who likes to hear himself talk? Mm. So like, so, so in that sense, we may be talking about not just relevance, but also perspective. And it, this gets into a lot of things that I think can be confusing. Yeah. So let's, let's get into So like if, if you have someone, like if your name is Joe Thorne or mm-hmm. just, uh, uh, I'm going to use someone else. John Horn. Uh, John Horn. Yeah. That's a good one. And all of a sudden, uh, you, receive a phone call yeah. from like, I don't know, bat handler. Okay. Then your relevance has now skyrocketed. I don't think so. In Acts 29, evangelical community. Mm. Congratulations to John, <laughs> John Horn. <laughs> yeah. I wish it worked that way. So, um, all right. So he's got five signs. Your church is becoming irrelevant. I'll, mm-hmm. go, I'll start with number one. I right, go. Okay. Here's a sign that your church is becoming irrelevant. Number one, you increasingly think that most new ideas are bad ideas. So here's a, here's a quote, mm. partial quote. Hey, <laughs> I think it's funny. He says, hey, hey, it's easy to resist new ideas. But if you think back, there was a time when you were likely far more open to new ideas. Now you're older and wiser and you've got a way of doing things. The human mind is great at preserving the status quo. You can think of 10 reasons why a new idea won't work. And you and your team never hesitate to list them. The leadership graveyard is filled with the bodies of leaders who say, we haven't done it that way before. Not every new idea is a great idea, but embracing no new idea is a terrible idea. When was the last time you embraced a radically new idea? 
If you can't answer that question, you're already in trouble. All right, so the question that we like to ask all the time is when somebody's making a point, how are they right? How are they wrong? Mm. Is there any way in which they're right? Is there any way in which they're wrong? Uh, what do you see here, Jimmy, that you would agree with? I mean, I do agree that people get stuck in their ways. Yep. And they, the idea being old ways or even our ways is the best way possible. Right. And so they get stuck in this rut um, and unable to, to objectively critique it and yeah. move past it. Yeah, of course. And yeah, th this we've never done it that way before is not a good reason to not do something. Yeah, I agree with that. And yep. Most institutions and churches will wind up hitting that spot, right? Well, we've never done it that way before. Well, that, okay, that, that that's neither good nor bad. Let's talk mm -hmm. about the merits of the proposed change. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and look figure at out it. which one would work better for our situation. I mean, like, like you said, not every new idea is a great idea, but embracing no new ideas or the refraining from even considering any yeah. new idea see how you nuance is it? a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. See, we're going to oh, nuance I know, it. I have to nuance it. Because yes. embracing no new ideas is a terrible idea. Not if all the new ideas are terrible. Yeah. You know, so uh, when was the last time you embraced a radically, a radical new idea? If you can't answer that question, you're already in trouble. I, I don't know. It's a little over no. the top, but again, sometimes we use overstatement or we say things at an, at a, at a drama mama, mama level. Drama mama. Drama mama level. Mama drama. To get people to kind of go, you know, to go along and consider the actual, you know, argument that's being made. So, you know, so I, I think it's right in that we shouldn't be afraid of new ideas just because they're new. And uh, especially if it's, if we're not talking about, you know, biblical ad, absolutes and all of that. But sometimes you even need to consider um, an interpretation of what the scripture says or an implication of what the scripture says that you haven't considered before. Mm. And in that sense, it may be new to you, but it may not be a new idea at all. It just may be new to you. So you need to consider that. Yeah. So for example, I've seen a number of churches move from observing the Lord's Supper uh, quarterly or monthly to weekly. Yeah, like us. Like Jesus wants us to. Yeah, yeah. And so... As the Lord has commanded. <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we did that. And um, so that's a new idea to a lot of people, but it's not really a new idea. Mm -mm. Um, but you got to consider that. And again, whether you do it quarterly, monthly, whatever, that's your business. We're just saying, yeah, there, there's a sense in which, uh, yeah, you don't... you're. You, you may be coming irrelevant or you, you just may be in some trouble if you aren't willing to consider new ideas. What about number two? Yeah, number two. Uh, here we go. <laughs> oh, geez. I gave you the good one. <laughs> All right, ready? This might... Okay. <clears throat> the copyright dates on your music are from another era. Mm. Mm. Let okay. me go ahead and read this. Here we go. Truth. Here we go. No, no cap. No cap. Here we go. You can argue about church decor all day long or about the less tangible aspects of church life. But few things give away a church's true age and the copyright dates on the music it sings. Oh, hey there. Many churches will embrace change to an extent, and then they stop. Many churches think they're relevant and current. After all, they have a band, not a choir. They have screens, not books. But dig a little deeper, and most songs they sing were written somewhere between 2002 and 2012. <laughs> In other words, they froze a few years ago. The danger here is that they think they're being relevant, but they really aren't. The truly new songs they'll tell you they'll tell you are too long, too non-melodious, too weird to sing. Besides, our people love the songs we sing because they know them. Again, there's nothing wrong with singing older songs, but if all the copyright dates are older, it's a sign that you're actually not that relevant. Huh. All right. So mm. how are they, how are they right, Jimmy? Mm. Uh, I think again, when you get kind of stuck and you refuse to kind of listen to another, I guess we'll use era, 
right? Because I think that's the word he used. Is that the word he used? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. also the detergent he uses. It's also the detergent. Mm-hmm. The what? Era. Era. So. <laughs> it's a detergent. Yes. Yeah. yeah thank you. Come on. Thank you would you. know if you were more domestic. Oh, <laughs> my bad. Yeah. Um, but what was I going to say? Uh, about eras. Oh, like, about eras. Um, yeah. You want to look at, at how God has moved people through various stages mm-hmm. or in, in various times, because I think there's different expressions of the same truth that God has given us. That's not what he's saying. He's saying. No, I know if, he's saying it has to be all new. Yeah. So, but I'm saying. Yeah, but we're not, we're not into what, how he's wrong. We're into how he's right. Oh, how is he right? Mm-hmm. Um, some, some new songs are good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, look how I think, and I think you were actually touching on it. Like, um, if you're locked into one specific era, it could be a problem. Yeah. Could if you're be. locked into 1500s and all you're singing is Luther. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Cause here's, here's, here's the problem. Um, like no offense, Carrie, but I don't think you're very familiar. It doesn't read that way. I, I, I don't know that Carrie is very familiar with actual reformed churches that sing, only hymns. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, the fact that they are singing old hymns, not dated songs that are dated in that like, oh, that sounds like a jingle from a commercial in the 90s, but it's actually a composition that holds up over time. They're using mm-hmm. these classic hymns. I don't, I don't think that that makes the church irrelevant. Um, so that, that would be, that would be my, my pushback mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. on what you just said. I, I think some Reformed churches and some churches uh, emphasize the, the historical old hymns. And, uh, they embrace, and I don't think that makes them irrelevant. Um, and I don't think churches that only sing, only sing new songs makes them irrelevant. Uh, but I think you should have some sort of interaction between, like you were saying, then multiple eras. Mm-hmm. Because there are... There are good songs written in every area, most most eras, anyways. Yeah, yeah. And um, and we should be able to pull from them. I don't believe that the copyright dates on your music determine uh, or your relevance. They're not a real sign of how relevant you are. No. Now that may show that you're musically out of touch. If all of your songs are from say 2000 to 2012, that just means that either your your worship planning. Um, isn't taking into consideration other eras, yeah, yeah. new or, or, or old. old. Yeah. It, it's, it's probably more an issue of comfortability and ignorance and less anything super intentional is my mm, guess. Yeah, I agree. But um, I, I think, I, so I, I guess the way that I would say that it's right is that we need to pay attention to the music that we're singing because it does say something about us. And I would hope, and I think you and I both would hope that it's first biblically, theologically faithful in terms of its content. Yeah. And that the music itself is is you know harmonious and um quality that it's something that resonates with people like it's not yeah yeah totally like gonna make them put their head in the in the sand because mm-hmm. it's such a weird so so out there weird and yeah right so there's got to be a sense at which you can understand and appreciate the music and not not just the lyrics um but it, where is it wrong i think he, i think he overstates it there too yeah. yeah i think he overstates it yeah push it a little too hard mm-hmm. you know you, what you, you know, can't push too hard oh i was gonna say you know what is not overstated you know what you need to push <laughs> Real good. New American Standard Bible. You know what? It's long been recognized as the gold standard among word-for-word translations, and Zondervan is honored to continue its long-standing relationship with the Lockman Foundation in publishing the New American Standard Bible. Jimmy, they're doing some stuff this month. Ooh, starting this month, Zondervan is delighted to publish the new Beautiful Bibles in the NASB 1995 text with Zondervan's new exclusive NASB Comfort Print so typeface. Com- it, so comfy. 
It's, it's actually really good. I, I yeah. quite looking at it. Yeah. Yep. Um, Zondervan has once again partnered with 2K Denmark to create this brand new typeface for all new NASB Bibles published mm-hmm. by Zondervan. Now, they're going to be giving away a new edition of uh, of the NASB. It's the NASB Thin Line. We talked about mm. this uh, earlier in the week. These are less than an inch thick, but they're, because it's the word of God, it's, it's, it's mighty. It's so deep you could swim in it, but it's only it's less than an inch thick. You know what I'm saying? That was such a great little juke. You're welcome, NASB. Man. Listen, um, we love these Bibles. I actually just gave an NASB Bible to somebody, one of the new ones. He was super pumped about it. Mm. Um, these Bibles are great. We love the Bibles that we have, these new Bibles. If you want more information on the NASB Comfort Print and to see all the various NASB Bibles that are coming out this month, visit NASB1995.com. All right, Joe. So uh, we, we went through the first two. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, you increasingly think most new ideas are bad ideas. Then number two, the copyright dates on your music are from another era. Mm-hmm. Number three, yeah. everyone on your team is your age. Okay. Hmm. okay. <clears throat> so I'll read this. This isn't so much a problem if you're 22 and just starting out, which already right there. Like shows the shows a bit of a bias there, right? Okay, <laughs> does it not? Does it not? Like Listen, right who knows anything at twenty two? Okay, whatever. Go, okay, go ahead. All right. And starting out, to have a young leadership team of idealistic people is an awesome thing. Sure, some wisdom wouldn't hurt. Okay, oh, I know, but still, the world often gets changed by young leaders on a mission because old people don't want a mission anymore. Old people, old heads. Okay, boomer. It's kind of it's all right. Right, can you I'll, keep, keep reading? reading. Okay, Don't fine. make comments. Just read the thing. Show right, some respect. All right. Oh, fine, fine. Well, can you show respect, some respect. Show can, some respect. You, can you respect the old people? Yeah. No. Okay. Boomers. Uh, but what happens is that 20-year-olds eventually turn 30. Fast forward a bit, and everyone on your senior leadership team is in their mid-50s. That's a big issue. Left uncorrected, churches tend to age with their leader. As a leader in my early 50s, I've had to be incredibly intentional about surrounding myself with leaders in their 20s and 30s, something that really energizes me. You may not have the chemistry or familiarity with younger leaders that you do with your peers who have been through life with you, but renewing the leadership table with younger leaders is critical. It's easy for older leaders to think that younger leaders are too young to lead. You were two once, and someone took a chance on you anyway. And you did some of your best work then too, didn't you? Probably not. No, I know Joe. Joe. Probably not. Most of us don't do our best work when we're young. But um, all right, Jimmy. Hmm. Hmm. I'll tell you what, when I look at this and I say, how is it right? Um, I feel like I need to start with how it's wrong, but, but let me start with how it's right. Yeah. You got to go with how it's right. Okay. So, um, yes, uh, you don't want ideally. Okay. So now an ideal <laughs> isn't a biblical absolute. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we're talking about an ideal practice based on all that we do read in scripture and common sense wisdom and you know, all of that. Um, it is not ideal to have everybody on your leadership team the same not the same demographic age and all of that. It's better mm. for there to be some variety in there, different different uh, strengths, weaknesses, emphases, giftings, insights, and that does relate to age as well. So yes, ideally, you would want a mix of people. Yeah. And you know, at Redeemer, we've got, uh, what, 30s, 40s, and 50s? Yeah, yeah. As yeah. on the eldership team, some variety. And uh, we think that's good. We, what's, we, what's Santa Maria? What is he? Oh, he looks like he's 19. Yeah, is, but is he late 20s? I think he just turned 30. Okay, he's 30. Yeah. yeah. Was he the youngest? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's the youngest. Oh, I thought Kevin was the youngest. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Krista. All right. So, anywho, um, the point is... Only when he wears that bike suit. Yeah, that's right. That makes him look young. He looks young. Young at heart. Um, 
so yeah, that's 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 a good principle. But there's a couple of things in here that that doesn't it doesn't sit right. No, it, it focuses a lot on younger, and I I can appreciate that. I've been in churches that neglect having um, qualified, and that's what I want to say: qualified yeah. um, young men serving in leadership. Um, and so yeah, I think that's detrimental. But it's you got to make sure that it's not superficial. You're not just picking someone because of their age. You're not just picking someone because they're uh, charismatic in the sense that they've got a great personality and people are drawn to them. We want to make sure that these people are qualified in leadership. And let's be honest, early 20s, that's that's pretty difficult to, to say this person should be an elder, Yeah, right? Uh, it, there needs to be some time, some growth, some uh, refining, some smoothing off of the rough edges sure. uh, before that. So... I don't know. I, I, it feels like it's like a not manifesto, but it's like man, a little overweighted towards. It, it is definitely. You know, it's definitely. And let's just say, like, listen, you want. Okay, so like, it, it's it's easy to have a bunch of old people being in charge. It's also easy in church plants to have a bunch of young people in charge. Yeah. And you know, you what you really do want is some some greater diversity and balance, not for the sake of diversity, but for the sake of of a healthy interaction of gifts and generations. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you need older men who have, listen, we got um, grandpa Jeff, yep, yep. Uh, one of our pastors um, here at Redeemer. And uh, you know, he's a father and a grandfather. He's a godly man. We love him. You know how great he is. Not, not even just that. Well, he probably wouldn't be mad. I told this, well, you can tell it. But he went, he like he went over to my brother's house to help him put us uh, like a sup pump in. Oh yeah. Yeah. Look, that's how nice Jeff is. Yeah, I know. He, he's he's a, he's a serv he's an elder, but he's a servant. He's just he's a godly guy. So yeah, you you want that that kind of a thing. And so you know, he's like, it's easy for older leaders to think that younger leaders are are too young to lead. Well, it's also easier for younger leaders to think older leaders are too old to lead. It really yeah. does go both ways. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. only thing we really want to say here is that yeah, it's some diversity. I yeah, and maybe you know, hey Hoff, have a better appreciation for the older people in your church. <laughs> I, he might be the older person, so you know, he's probably he's just the one. Yeah, because yeah. All right. Um, Number four, Hoff says, change makes you tired. Change is difficult at the best of times, but if even the sound of change makes you tired, it's a sign that you're becoming irrelevant. It's normal to default to the status quo. We all do. Last year, my dentist told me I needed at least five crowns. <laughs> Sorry, I just have so many jokes. Um, <laughs> the thought of that made me feel tired and broke all at once. Um, I got a bit of the work done, but then it took I took a break. One afternoon, I was eating some cereal, and I noticed something that didn't feel like cereal in my mouth. It was half a molar. Guess where I went the next day? By the way, Jimmy, I knew it. You know I what this knew. Reminds me I of? knew it. It reminds as soon, me as soon as I'm sitting here, I'm like it Aww. reminds me of that time that we were eating lunch together at Barrel and Rye. <sighs> yes, eating that salad with the caramelized uh, walnuts on it, mm -hmm. and you took a bite, and it broke your tooth in half. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Too often, that's exactly how we approach change in the church. We wait until something breaks, and then we'll try to fix it. And that may work with a tooth, but it's a terrible strategy for churches, okay, and for dentistry. In our rapidly changing culture, waiting until something breaks to fix it is one of the fastest ways to ensure you become irrelevant. If change makes you tired, I promise you, the slow death of your church will make you even more tired. So, um, change makes you tired, You've got to be willing to change. Sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, there, there is that sense of like, you want to be more proactive rather than reactive. And, but I think also like when you're sitting there, it's going to make you tired to be putting out fire after fire. And that's what's going to burn people out. So I think there's, there's some truth here in that yeah. if you're dealing with the same issues over and over again and not, um, not rectifying it, 
by making the change that needs to happen. He's right. It's you're going to be tired. You're going to be burned out. Right now, you know, again, he's like, you, you want to, you, you don't want to wait till it's broken to fix it. Right. You want to change where necessary. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, people can use something like this. And, I, and generally, I think I, we want to agree with him here. Um, it's just that you gotta, you gotta ask, well, okay, well, what are we changing? You know? And I, I don't, I don't think that he would say, well, we're going to change your doctrine, change your theology, things like that. But it is important to to weigh, you know. Okay, so the culture is changing. So what needs to change within, you know, our our methods? And so, for example, like to give you an actual example that I think Jimmy and I would be on the same pages is, uh, as the culture and worldview shifts and develops and morphs or devolves or yeah. whatever, um, the way that we evangelize changes. And that doesn't mean that we don't use the word of God or that we don't preach mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. It means that the presuppositions that the people have in our culture today are somewhat different than the presuppositions that people had in the culture 50 years ago. So the evangelistic approaches in sharing the gospel, sharing the scripture with people might have sounded different than they do today. We still got to get the sin, the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man, the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ, faith mm-hmm. and repentance, mm-hmm. all that. Um, but how you get there and how you approach it is going to be different. So change is oftentimes very important. And so, yeah, we want to agree in general that uh, you can't just resist change. You, if you got to be willing to fix yeah. the problems and, and adapt where necessary while remaining completely faithful to God's word. And then I think where it's wrong is we just don't want to sit there and keep changing for change sake. Right. Right. This is like, oh, listen. Like every, Here's the next new fad. Listen, TikTok is like, what, 60 seconds at the longest? Is that what it is? I don't know. Okay. I don't. I think it's like 60 seconds at the longest. So we're going to do our, 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 our songs and worship are going to be 60 second clips of hymns. We're going to do it that style because that's what everybody's going to do, the TikTok style. All right. Changing just to adapt to like a new trend or something. Not so good. I'm actually kind of ashamed that you even thought of that. Yeah. Well, I considered it. No, you didn't. Oh, Stop absolutely. it. And I drew up a whole proposal and then Jen like smacked me upside the head. Let me see the proposal. No, she, she she threw out the whole computer because she was so offended. <laughs> Jen was not happy. All right, what about number five? Ooh, number five. Your dominant emotions towards culture are negative. Mm. Mm. If social media is any gauge of how many Christians leaders feel about our culture, the church is in trouble. And even if you're not posting on your social media in all caps, telling the world how bad it is, your attitude still matters. I can't Sorry. even finish. I can't even finish. Why are you, you coughing all the time now? <coughs> I told oh you I had to bite back of my throat. Negativity leaks. Constantly criticizing a culture is no way to reach it. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly reminded that Jesus loved the world. He saw the mess, the brokenness, the godlessness, and embraced us anyways. Jesus loved the world enough to die for it. You should care enough about the world to do the same. To die for it? There <laughs> we go. Oh, my goodness. Jimmy. Yeah, get your water. Look at that. Oh, look at you. He's got a $50 steel canister that he keeps his water in. Because I the, travel, so I oh, refill not, at the I'm airport. Joking. I know it's not a fair And it's not $50. Oh, I know. I'm just teasing. <clears throat> okay, so your, your dominant emotions toward your culture are negative. Yeah, we've, we've yeah. said this for a long time, that there are aspects of culture that we should receive and, and say this is a good aspect of God's common grace. There are aspects of the culture that we have to reject as evil outright. And then there are aspects of the culture that can be helped, that can be improved. Um so yeah, I think I think there's some truth here. If if you're predominantly yelling at the culture about things, if that's your approach, I I, I would agree with that. Like, yeah, I, you know, some Christians and some churches are known for everything that they're against, and I'm not necessarily going to disagree with all of the things that they're against. But it, it, the message of the church is not one of mere negativity. It is an offer yeah. of forgiveness of sin. So there's law. 
We have sinned against God. There is gospel. God forgives sinners through Christ. So yeah, I I don't I don't I don't disagree um, with the, with the sentiment of being overly negative uh, in our orientation towards mm-hmm. the world around us. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, listen, um, I didn't know who uh, Beowulf was until we got this. Um, really? No, I I see him all the time. His ads pop up. Oh, I've read some like, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've never read stuff. But then, um, but one of our people wrote in and they're like, "Hey, will you cover this?" And we thought, "All right, we'll we'll just give you our honest." Sort of mm-hmm. perspective. I am sure uh, Kerry is a super cool guy, super solid guy. I, I don't know anything about him. Um, but I, what, his heart seems to be for um, healthy churches, right? Healthy leaders, healthy churches. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's definitely um, something good. You know, we definitely want the same thing. So um, check out this, uh, this article. In fact, maybe, Jimmy, they could uh, give some sort of, I don't know, feedback some sort of like uh give their take their hot take on the on the article maybe maybe they could say maybe here's what we need oh you guys can share how irrelevant your church is and why that's a good thing oh there you yeah, go we want to hear how you're positively irrelevant well you can follow us online on instagram and twitter at doc and devo or on facebook slash doctrine and devotion you can head to the website doctrinemotion.com there you can contact us you can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store joefostore.com and grab some I gear like that now joe we got fresh pottery monday and thursday yep. we got blog posts on wednesdays yes we do and we got a conference coming up in texas in texas i'm gonna be there and so right now you guys need to go register because this weekend I'm going to go ahead and send out the invite so people oh. can RSVP. Yeah, so for the register, register now so you can get on it. Later. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I had to do it. <laughs>